everybody, and welcome to At the Devil's Ball, the podcast where we talk about horror and genre films in a positive and constructive manner. Uh, I am Nathaniel. And I am Samuel. And we're here to talk positive and constructive about uh, Lord of Illusions, the second in our Clive Barker tribute month. Uh, a uh, ambitious and maybe occasionally perplexing film. Um, but we have a guest coming on this week. Uh, he's been on our show many, many times, and uh, we're always happy to have him. We've got uh, from uh, the parts unknown that is uh, Strange Highways and Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we have Paul Tiberius Stedman. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I bribed uh, Samuel with a taco bar last night. I didn't oh. realize, like, uh, you know, he he and uh, his his partner were over, and I had made like three pounds of like taco meat, and I'm like, right. we're all talking, and I was like, what do you guys cover? And he's like, Lord of Illusions, and I'm like, and I started to pull the tacos away unless he let me on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not hard to bribe. You know? Well, if there if there were taco bars involved, I mean, I totally understand that. I. Yeah. You, Samuel can speak to I always bring a sledgehammer to kill a fly whenever I make anything so I because you know if you have a taco bar you got to have I don't know Nathaniel like what's your what's your what's your go-to for a taco like what's your fixings for a taco I actually don't really like tacos so I don't right, actually well, eat tacos all right well I guess we're done now thanks <laughs> thanks very much for coming Paul yeah it's, <laughs> this, is, this is gonna be the first of a couple probably um dividing issues we're gonna have here now yeah uh, yeah yeah is Friend, you know is that over. why is that why you feel weird about Lord of Illusions? Because you could tell that they took a large chunk of money from, um, you know, from Doritos. Uh, right. to get, uh, some of the, they get some of that Doritos effects in there. Some of those triangles, like the, oh. the nacho cheese guy. Oh, was, right. Okay. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. So is that why you're kind of anti this film? You're like, you know what? That's close enough to tacos. I can't deal with that. I like, I mean, I like Doritos fine. I just don't really do tacos. Right. I mean, it's just meat cheese and like, like what? Okay. Okay. I can't. Like, <laughs> will you eat a burrito? I mean, will you? Like, I, I'm not. I don't really do burritos either. It's a. Right, it's right, a. It's right. a. It's a, a, a. I think it's like an ADHD, like mild autism thing. I can't. I can only eat like the same like five or six things. Everything else I can't really do. Yeah. So it's not that I like have anything like morally against tacos. I'm like you know, I don't. I mean, if you if you if we were to march for tacos, I would attend. But I mean, right. like you know, if tacos were under attack, but um, but I don't think they are. So okay, well, right. let everybody else know. I made a taco bar full of a lot of different things because I like having a variety, and mm. so and it was enough of a variety to get me onto the show. So I'm glad that one half <laughs> yeah. of the show was in agreements with tacos so. well jo <laughs> jokes jokes on you you probably could have just come on anyway but right. yeah, but instead sam got a taco out of the deal so I, yeah that makes me think of that bit in multiplicity where they're trying to bribe the fifth clone with a pepsi <laughs> easily grab and he, yeah, does, right. he doesn't realize he can just pick it up but yet like, they, <laughs> they keep showing it to him and he's like oh, I'll, I'll just keep giving information so yeah that's where i was with that so anyway nice. thank you for nice. on the show sure uh, yeah uh tacos and uh and doritos we're gonna get into yeah. more doritos later i'm sure so sure so, uh, we, so as we do at the start of every show, though, uh, uh, Sam, what'd you watch this week? Um, no, no, Just nothing this week. Didn't really, didn't really watch anything new. I was watching, uh, I watched, uh, Star Trek Picard season three, like first couple episodes of that, and uh, it was surprisingly not terrible. Huh. Um, oh, that's right. You have like a you have a thing for like hating Picard, right? Like, yeah, the first two that's... seasons were terrible. I mean, really? it oh, okay. started off okay, then I just nosedive, and I've been right. trying to watch the second one. The second right. one is 
even worse. Yeah. It's just god awful. Oh. The third one, but it's like you know, if this is going to be our last raw with that cast, I kind of right. want to watch it. yeah, yeah. The so far it, it's it's decent. It's like a next generation movie that we didn't get. You know, hmm. okay. I haven't seen any we of got several, but you know, yeah. How about yeah. you? Uh, me, I watched. Uh, I did watch a film called The Outwaters. It's getting a lot mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of talk online. It's a it's a found footage horror film. Uh, I didn't really like it very much, but I appreciated what it was doing. It's it's very much. Uh, it's being talked about a lot in kind of conjunction with Skin and Rink as, uh, and I can see why. Where like both films are sort of like the. Uh, the sensory output is the point like mm. the the uh, uh uh composition is the point the narrative and like character and all that other stuff is is incidental and so that either that's your thing right or it's not your thing but in this case it was a little bit too obscure for me like i i it, it's it's filmed in such a way that is very arresting to look at but i was like i don't know what's actually going on so i'm i'm kind of being taken out of it like a lot of it was like filmed with like a flashlight like literally like a character wandering naked through the desert with a camera and a flashlight and that's what's right. happening for a long period of time but where what's was happening the to attached to this naked person where was the camera attached in his hand oh oh well that's that's disappointing like I yeah mean, we're, right. we're Bark it's just just and, yeah yeah crotch level yeah maybe the movie would have been better yeah. i don't know just, but just um stuck, stuck in the butt that's all you say. right yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's uh okay. no it, i mean it was uh it's in like it's basically the idea is that the character is it it there seems to be some sort of like time space disruption thing so like everything is very weird but it's mm-hmm. being but they couldn't obviously couldn't afford it. So it's sort of like we can use these techniques to sort of infer things, but which is visually interesting, but I can't, uh, I I'm like, I don't actually know what's happening. So I'm like, I can't get invested in this. And then there's a gratuitous like castration sequence at the end, which I was a little bit like, really? Okay. Movie. But, uh, but I like Skidamark much better. I know, uh, I know Paul and Steve weren't really into it on their show. But let uh, me know. Like, I know. I know we've watched that film, but let me know when something happens, and then uh, even now, like mm. if something happens in that movie, let me know. And um, I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those types of films. Like it, it's just it. Maybe it would be like if like and, and Samuel will get this this reference if it was playing like the Cleveland like Cinematheque. Like, right. be, like you got like, and that's that's part of like a big like art house theater thing here mm-hmm. in Ohio. Yeah. It's like if you kind of go in with the knowledge of like, because I've been there a couple of times and seen some really weird like not experimental but like you know avant garde media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like oh, brought to you by Shutter Skidmore Rink. I'm like, right? Oh, wait, no. Like it's just you know, I can appreciate it's it's almost like um, you know how. It's just if you if you add just one if you if if all your meal is just one ingredient, you're gonna want a second ingredient at some point. Mm-hmm. I think right, and I feel like with Skin Marink, it's like it was all like style, and yeah. this there was no there was no substance, and but it was pretending to have it, and that was mm-hmm. very challenging to me. And I'm not saying that I can't like maybe maybe i'm a dumb person and uh, normally i am but it's like like i ended up watching this is a completely different film i ended up watching el topo a couple years ago okay uh, mm-hmm. and it's like i went into that being like okay i know this is going to be weird and i got out the other end and i'm like well, yeah that was that was weird yeah. i don't really, like i don't understand what was going on but it no. wasn't like i wasn't trying to meet the movie and it's like i'll give this to odorowski at least at least he had something to say whether or not i understood it 
Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So I'm not, I don't know. Like I, I want, I want an A to B to C when I watch a film. And if mm-hmm. I don't always get there, I have a real frustration of like, if you're going to do this to me, give me an experimental album that I can listen to, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like make my own story in my head as I listen to this, as opposed to forcing me to engage with something for two hours where I'm supposed to, you know, like, were you forced? Well, not, I mean, well, I mean yeah. yeah, I was covering on the podcast. So I wasn't going to just dip out, you know. Like, well, is that is that is that their that their responsibility, Paul? That you were yes, doing it on it the is. Okay. If you're going okay. to spend the fifteen dollars Canadian to make that movie, where you just stick, <laughs> you know, um, and, and then I, I still know. think it was brilliant. I think it's a brilliant film. It's it's be, it's would, slow as yeah. hell, but it's it's uh, it's. I think it's a pretty brilliant film. I, like, you would if you would given that to like to somebody else that's had maybe like a couple more features under their belt and been like i really like what you got going here how about we we can we can spice it and actually leave you with like kind of like a a dagger of an ending Mm. i think you would have had something there i just think that was three quarters of the way there i mean here's the here's the sports parlance it's like that that foul tip that is almost going towards the home run it just goes the other side and it's just a foul ball that's like it doesn't Mm. do anything but like you're like i'm hoping i'm hoping nope Try again. Yeah. So yeah. look at that. I brought sports into the conversation. I'm sorry. Look at guys. that. That's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely lost now. Yeah. <laughs> there was something about home runs. Uh, that's soccer, right? I'm, um, I'm not against atmospheric movies. You know, yeah. it's just like, don't get me wrong. It's just, but like, give me, just give me a little something more to okay. latch on to. That's all. all right. and, no. Know, so, yeah. Sure. Anyway. Sam, did you see that one? No, no, I have no. not watched it. Right. I have a feeling that you you might line up with me. I have this have a suspicion. Right. You know, like, See, I don't know. I was thinking the same. I was actually thinking the same thing, but in my perspective, I think Sam might actually really enjoy it. I don't know. But, I, don't know. I uh, feel like I mean, I'll have a taco bar. This is something like bar. yeah. Right. It's it's suddenly it's Kramer versus Kramer, but uh, right. you know, uh, you're it's tearing like this, me apart. Yeah, the yeah. squid and the squid and the whale. Um, <laughs> when, uh, when Neil Breen when Neil Breen has more to say in his movies. I think that, a- that's true. That's, <laughs> but Neil Breen has a lot to say. Like none of it makes sense. But uh, no, not at all. But you know, give him some of it might be really questionable. But, he drags uh, him across the finish line, kicking yeah. and screaming. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, uh, so okay, Lord of Illusions. Then, uh, yep. Sam, did you want to do um, uh, Vitals? Yeah, I'll get the Vitals. Um, cool. The Lord of Illusions was um, released on August 25th, 1995, had an $11 million budget, took in about $13.3 million at the box office, so that didn't really do very well. Um, uh, Written and directed by Clive Barker, based on the story The Last Illusion from uh, Books of Blood, Volume 6. As far as cast, we've got uh, Scott Bakula starring as Harry Damore, Kevin J. O'Connor as Philip Swan, J. Trevor Edmond as Young Butterfield. Uh, Daniel Von Bargen, neck, knocking it out of the park as uh, Nix. But we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah. <laughs> also, be careful a, with the, the IMDb page, Sam. It's the people are yeah. buried all over the place in that. I know, one, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got uh, Joseph Lattimore as uh, Casper Quaid. Uh, we've got, let's see, we already did it. Uh, Suzanne yeah. Trailer as uh, Maureen Pym. Ashley Tesoro as Young Dorothea. We've got Famke Johnson as Dorothea, uh, the old one. And uh, I'm just going to skip around here. Uh, we've got, I can't find, uh, 
I want to yeah. call it Mark okay. Shirley. That's not his name. It's uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Shivali. What's his name? Um, uh, Vincent Shivali. Yeah. I, I want to mention him just because every time he shows up, he just, <laughs> he's so great at everything. He's so great. I just all uh, this. Yeah. Right. So. Oh yeah. Uh, we yeah, got Barry Del Sherman as Butterfield. Um, and I'm trying to find um the one last cast member, and I can't really find it. So let's come back to it, I guess. Yeah, the the the, the IMDb listing is like all, all over, over the, the map. Place. Yeah. yeah, like Famke Johnson's like three, like two thirds of the way down the page and everything. Yeah, she's like second build in the film. She's right. all the way down. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, here we are. Joel, uh, Joel Sweatlow, Sweattoe as uh, Valentin. Oh yeah, Valentin. Yeah, he's a pretty important character. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, I think this is um my general my general uh kind of point of view with this film having rewatched it was uh, mm-hmm. I it, it strikes me as it's easily I think Clive's Clive Barker's most ambitious film like he's definitely going as big as he possibly can with this movie with what is very clearly not very much money um and so I mean speaking of uh you know uh depth uh that isn't really there i mean i think this movie really wants to to tell me that it's really really like fate of the world uh but I, it doesn't feel that way to me but uh it's um but i think it's i i actually do think it's a fun film uh but i have my issues with it but paul is our guest and you're a huge fan of the film you've obviously you bought your way onto the show with tacos right to yeah. talk about it so and what I about spend, I did spend four dollars on Voodoo because I tried to watch this on Pluto TV and mm-hmm. it locked up during the first commercial break. Oh, no. So I backed off and tried it again and it, it froze in the same commercial at the same spot. I'm just like, well, I guess I'm spending four dollars. Like so right. it's on Tubi. Yeah. Okay. That's good. where I watched it. Yeah. So uh, and, and you can't buy the Blu-ray because the Blu-ray is going for like 150 bucks now. So yeah, I didn't know that, but like the, this is a movie I should have owned by now, but I'm not going to like, I love this movie. Not $150 yeah. worth. Yeah. $4. Right, right. I'll, I'll give you $4, $4, $4 in a taco worth. So, um, and, uh, you can also pay buy like buy digitally for 15 on Voodoo. Yeah. So, right. you know, but, but the problem is like all the versions out there digitally are the, are the theatrical cut. And I think it, you theatrical cut loses a whole lot of, of story from the director's cut. Okay. Um, which I mean, yeah, I don't think I've even seen the director's cut. But so. reading the trivia about like some of the stuff that the director's cut, I definitely saw some of the scenes in the film I watched today on Voodoo. So I don't know if okay. it's the one uh, that because they're talking about like using the blood to to screw the mask in place. Right. Like, yeah, it's in the theatrical. Yeah. yeah, it's like, but yeah. they talked about that being like not. I don't know. The, so I don't oh, know okay. which one I saw. Like I didn't. Like, right. I, there was there was a sex scene, but it wasn't like explicit, which I didn't need. I didn't need to see Scott's bacula as much as I love right, him. Right. Right. <laughs> like um you know you but, think that's what he calls well, it well, yeah. they showed yeah. they showed off the they had to show off the tape he calls too, it ziggy know? he calls it ziggy and um <laughs> I, you know you don't want to know what he calls gucci <laughs> <laughs> um i do want to mention here in terms of like uh your 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 um stats here i think this is funny just because the release date this this gives a very interesting timestamp to when this movie was released the number one song was waterfalls by tlc so <laughs> that and <laughs> The number one film that was like mm-hmm. that was out the day this was released. I'm not saying it took the weekend, but on the Friday this was released. What do you guys think the number one film is for 1995 for August? Oh, August 95. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, you would never guess in a million years. Mortal Kombat. Okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> that was a good weekend for me. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw Mortal Kombat I saw opening yeah, weekend. So, yeah. so 
I ended up seeing, um, did I see this in the theater? I don't know. I wasn't. I know I did. Yeah. Um, I think I, I wasn't 17 or whatever it was for our, it was about 18 for our, our movies. 17. Yeah. 17. Yeah. I wasn't 17 yet. So I don't think I saw this in the theater, but I did see it quickly thereafter on video. And I, ended, I love this movie. Um, and the reason I love it mm. is because like, as much as I am not, I should be better read with Barker than I am. Uh, mm. Slacker. All the things of his, I have read though. I love that. He always has one foot squarely in reality of like you know of the world and and people bids being like you know just broken pieces of shit and then it's like oh yeah right. but also the way also uh fantasy uh like just weird sex and monsters yeah like, it's right. all it's like like the first like the, the, his first two books of his, of his that i read uh, was uh uh the damnation game which is phenomenal mm. uh and we've yeah. world one of my favorite books yeah. of all time right. i love we've world but it's like his writing is so dense at times it's very intimidating, but the fact that at least he puts you in like a grounding of somebody and with having our main character be this like private detective that like, we already know that he's had some run-ins with the supernatural, like, mm -hmm. but right. see him being this guy, it's like, I, you know what, like, this is, this is the shit that I know is like, he's, he's not a skeptic, but he's also not like dismissive completely. There's a line in the movie that I love a lot where they're walking through was it the one cemetery and um, they start talking about to Valentine, right? About like mm -hmm. there's a lot of people buried here or whatever. And then um, and then they talk about like, do you think that's important? Like like where you're buried? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, are you a believer? And he's like, oh yeah, I signed on for all of them in my my time. Uh, Catholic, Hindu, Moonies, right? Know, um, he's like, you can't have too many saviors. Mm -hmm. Like that that tells a lot about this guy. Where it's like he's a detective, mm -hmm. and it's like he's not beholden to like the same lines of logic. And it's it's right. pretty much like um, that X Files thing of like, oh well, this is different. I'm gonna see where this goes. More than likely, it's bullshit. But there's that like small chance that's not, and I'm gonna be open to it. And that's where I think Barker always kicks the door down. That I really really like. That so that's why I think this that it gives me a a realistic grounding. And then like, but we even get like a mini movie in the first 13 minutes of this that's too. True. Like right. How many movies come out swinging like that? That could have been its own movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And maybe and it should have been. And a monkey and everything. Yeah. You know? There is a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a baboon that probably ate someone's face that we don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Or if it didn't, it was close. Um, yeah. Sorry, it, was that... a it was a mandrill. Let me, let me identify my proper yeah. primate yeah. species. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. It is a mandrill. Um, and uh but yeah and it, a very angry one and i don't I, i'm not sure that was acting i think there was probably no. just an angry mandrill on set uh <laughs> i did read the only really piece of trivia i kind of found upon was actually about the mandrill which was originally the mandrill was supposed to get shot they right. were gonna they were gonna kill the mandrill on screen but the effects guys couldn't make the robot version work so right. the mandrake just sort of disappears uh yeah. is never brought up again i'm okay with that like if it's been yeah. 12 later we're not going to catch up to like we're not going to catch up to what was it butterfield like going around and being like do you know where nix's body's buried and <laughs> yeah. then, then they go to like um you go to the vegas strip and they go to what was it um siegfried and roy they're like we got to talk to the monkey like bring him. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I was actually the thinking monkey was like, a competing pre I, you know. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking that would be great. The post credit scene is just uh is out in the Mohave Desert, there's just the skeleton of the <laughs> right. like, like nothing funny. It's just like the Mandrake just kind of there was nobody to take care of it, so it wandered no, off right. into the desert. No, it's floating like, on its own and it can it can juggle fire. Right, it, yeah. it was yeah. it's one of those things that happened to learn the arcane. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Apparently, you could just look through some pages or whatever, and you're all right. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think it would have been better if Nix had come back as the Mandrake. Right. Like, <laughs> it was just Daniel von Bargen's voice coming out of the Mandrake. You know. Right. Like, you know, I will, I will murder the world. And like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this too because we've, we've not really gotten into the plot a whole lot. It's just if people yeah. haven't seen this, I, I'd say it's worth watching for free on your free services or paying four bucks. Um, I think this is one of those like, like often forgot about films. Yeah. That, like I just don't. I I, I understand. Oh, is that me? noir because noir is a descent in the darkness but it is that hard-boiled detective but again it is right. because scott Bakula's character is bringing in a bunch of baggage with him but we don't really get into all that a whole lot but mm -hmm. like i like you know this i think this is this was a this is constantine before constantine was a film and i think i i, I think that's my my take on it. i'm not saying the same thing but i'm saying right. in terms of like this was you know it's a, it's it's barker's own thing but i get constantine vibes from it Right. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's that. I think there's some, uh, you know, Kolchak the Night Stalker. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a couple of things that I think uh, Barker's uh, playing with here. Right. Uh, it's somewhat, I mean, occasionally successfully, sometimes maybe not so much. But um, uh, it, my issue with, uh, I, I like the Harry Demore character, and I've, mm -hmm. I've, I, I liked him in the books. Um, and then I watched this movie, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, I think he's actually a little miscast, but I think he does a really good job with it. I think everybody right. in this movie is miscast, but I think they actually are doing really good work regardless. Um, but um, but yeah, Damore is an interesting character. Um, however, my only problem with that and watching Lord of Illusions is uh, despite the fact that it's nominally about him, he doesn't do an awful lot. And right. um, it's sort of like, Part of me thinks that maybe he shouldn't be here and this movie should be about like Swan dealing with the coming of Nick's like, you know, um, right. That Demore fills a role as uh, our audience surrogate. So, you know, he can learn things. So we learn things. Uh, but I think that part of me thinks that the interesting part of this movie is there's an illusionist. His shit is real. The guy who taught him it is coming back from the dead. He's going to kill everybody. And our, you know, these four people that put him in the desert have to deal with that. That seems to me like the interesting part of it. And then right. Demore is, is there along for the ride. But I'm kind of like, why is he along for the ride? Um, he's almost like Indiana Jones and Raiders the Lost Ark, where it's like, we cheer right. for him. But Indy really does not affect anything in that movie. No, no, <laughs> but, no, but that's we, a good point. Yeah, no, Indy doesn't really. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, he and, makes it work, worse. You actually. know, and the yeah. and the behind the scenes stuff, like Clive Barker mentioned a couple times that he wanted, you know, Harry Demore to be like his Indiana Jones, or you know, where he can put him in a bunch of different stories. Yeah, and, you know, do he's that. almost so like it's Jack kind of funny. Yeah. He's the Jack Burton of this movie, right? right? Yeah, to a degree, that's yeah. an actually a more accurate al uh, analogy, I, I think. think so, yeah, yeah. Uh, a an actual somewhat effective Jack Burton. Yeah, yeah. 
Except that I think, uh, oddly enough, though, what that comparison ends with Jack Burton actually does save the day in, in right. that movie. In this movie, he kind of like he gets levitated enough to drop kick a guy into a pit that's there for some reason. And, well, um, and the same weekend that Mortal Kombat was the number one movie, so you can't tell me that wasn't an okay fatality. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like that Harry's Harry's great skill at the end of this movie is apparently doing everything that anybody who any kid who played video games in like 1988. Did, which is just note the glowing spot weak right. point on the and guy it, and then there, shoot yep. it. Um, yeah, my, but, my biggest problem with this whole movie is like asking somebody that's never fired a gun before to hit a pinpoint target. Yeah. Uh, Cause like I, I recently was a few months ago, I went to a firing range and I, I held a much smaller gun and heaven forbid that if it was put on me to end like this threat to the world, we would all be dead right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, more accurate. She would have shot uh, the more. Yeah, like you know right. um but yeah i mean oh, but boy. and i love that about harry demore by the way that this guy uh it was something i noted watching it this time that i never noticed before is this guy's just like this hair trigger maniac like mm-hmm. he's just pulling that gun out and then shooting it at things that he doesn't need to shoot at like right. there, there's the projector that he takes by the way three bullets to hit he's yeah. got a crack that's shot realistic that, I, yeah. I, I agree. Right. <laughs> but he didn't need to shoot it he probably could have just got it put like a like a napkin over it right. but he or, shot it like his idea was like pull out the gun and shoot it uh and then he's chased by illusion fire and he's like his response is fire bullets right <laughs> and yeah. i'm like hopefully dorothy like, has stayed in the room yeah the hologram yeah. he could have been like oh yeah it's a hologram get up get up other magician that uh, knows yeah. illusions nah right. i'm gonna show i'm gonna i'm gonna uh like show you my ep and just shoot this projector to shoot, <laughs> shoot it yeah yeah, yeah, but I love him shooting at fire. That's my favorite right. part. You know, like he he pulls out a gun and shoots at fire, and I'm like, well, I hope Dorothea stayed in her room. Otherwise, the only she's way you're gonna bullet. stop only way you're gonna stop fire is another guy with fire. You right. know, like it's yeah. a good guy with fire. Good guy with fire. Good guy. With <laughs> yeah. Fire. Um. But yeah, no, it's it was by easily by far away my favorite thing this time around. Was he's getting chased by illusionary fire and turns around and fires bullets at it, right. and I'm like, that is the greatest thing I've seen this week. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, and I'm just like, I, I think it again, much like the much like my idea of like the mandrel in the desert, it should have been like cut to uh, Valentin shot through <laughs> like with three right. bullets in his chest, be like, You shot an illusionary fire, you asshole. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just love that Harry Demore is just like, I'm gonna pull out that gun whenever I feel like it, and he's just constantly pulling right. it out. Um, but yeah, and he's he only gets involved in this story kind of circumstantially. Like he's doing something completely unrelated, happens mm-hmm. upon something, and rather than walk away, which any reasonable person would do, he just keeps coming back for more. It's really right. strange. Well, but that um, also ties into the, the, his exorcism case because he thinks back to whatever it is that was like there, like it was calling out to him, yeah. basically haunting him. So then it's like whatever that darkness is, it it knew he was like I, I think that it it already put him on the course for this other evil because i think it's all connected in a little bit of a way right. so i don't yeah. i don't think that's dissimilar right but um i do like the idea that he was actually supposed to be put on a regular like fraud case yeah and that's the yeah. that to me that's the part that it like like um another book of uh, barkers that i read that's one of my favorites is cold heart canyon which i don't know if yeah. you get familiar with that like i love how there's two different layers of evil running in that book yeah like the hollywood like the the golden age of hollywood and how corrupt that was and then also this room that was built 
like brought over overseas from like was Romania that is basically yeah. like um what a trap for like a demon or something like yeah. it's like oh, yeah, it also also kind of gives a mortality like I love that like there's two different things going on yeah. and they're both bad right. and Barker I think Barker does a good job of this where it's like oh yeah this guy's a piece of shit he's a fraud a fraud guy running around with I don't know that whole hotel scene was interesting just because it's like Scott Bakula is like, I'm going to eat a sandwich right now. And he's like, oh, <laughs> disgusting. Like what, what, what about that was so disgusting versus whatever was going on in the hotel room? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be that to me, that was supposed to illustrate that uh, LA doesn't suit him, that it's uh it's another one of Clive, yeah. Clive Barker's kind of digs at LA that it's like, you know, the, you know, Harry, I think almost any New Yorker probably ends up having that response when they go anywhere else is like, oh, it's not as good as New York. Well, um, right. He goes to the Swan show and he's like, he's like, you know, he, wear, he wears a tux. Like, this has to go back by midnight. I know it's a joke, but right. it shows that he's not comfortable in this type of skin. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that yeah. hotel sequence is just like weird. It's just like, oh, I hired prostitutes, but I got to go get my palm red or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm late. Yeah. I gotta go. Gotta yeah. go. You guys can pour liquids on my head that I don't know where they came from, and I'm like, yeah. ah, you hookers. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go get my palm red though. Yeah, I'm late for you the rap scallions. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then Demore follows him and comes up with the guy getting killed, who happens to be the guy right. who was from the next scenario. So yeah, I mean, it's all, it's. I mean, I guess I could buy that, and I can buy, I can buy the explanation of you know, Demore is on a you know collision course with fate but uh it's still weird narratively i think to just, yeah for him to kind of just like wander into the scenario and then uh, apparently because he wants to get laid he hangs around and i could buy that too but right um you know it's um why he because i mean honestly i would think if, if for just from my my experience i'm like okay i'm hired to follow this guy follow him up there's a guy being like literally like ritualistically murdered I fight to the death with a guy with really sharp teeth, throw him out of right. a window, and then the cops show up and like, what were you doing here? I'm like, well, I was following this guy. And they're like, what are you doing now? I'm like, I'm going home. Yeah. Like, this was a yeah. bad night. Um, instead, he's like, I'm going to investigate. He's gonna, I'm going to hang around long enough for Dorothea to, for some reason, to hire him. Hire me, right? Yeah, it's um, a little weird. But yeah, I mean, I feel like anybody, any a reasonable person would be like, you know, this was already way more than 10 grand is worth, which is what his payout right. was going to be to catch this guy, uh, in, you know, embezzling money. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, you know, I feel like once I got bitten, like my hand bitten by a guy with sharp teeth and then I threw him out of a window, I would probably and, be like, yeah, I think I'm, I've had I'm enough out. of LA. Yeah. Um, I was like, the, the cops are like, oh, where'd that guy go? He must have ran away. And they're like, man, whatever. I'm like, okay, what? Right. Like, they're, they're so about people getting chucked out of windows and just running away. Like, but can we also just take a step back? The set piece of the gentleman that is the, the fortune teller with all of, like, this is like, this is one of the things that really draws me to this movie is like, this is Barker's like baby from start to finish. Right. So you're right. going to have these really upsetting images of like this, this uh, fortune teller, just like just stabbed all over the place, almost to the point where it's comedic, how he has many, mm -hmm. so many different like things stuck in him. And then it's just like how he's still living. Like there's something there that's like, that, like that just, it feels very much like Barker where it's like, you're you're like when the guy's like I'm not afraid of death. It's like well yeah well you're on your way so you know right. it's not, you know whatever you, you you've had you've had about forty minutes so to get used to the idea yeah while you're being like <laughs> pin cushioned like you know yeah I think yeah, you probably would be 
like even before that, when we found the compound where it's like something about Barker's aesthetic of like this, like, um, like just ruined dystopia is the stuff of nightmares. Mm-hmm. And that visual aesthetic that runs through this entire film where it's like, it's gross and excessive, but it's like, it's also kind of artistic. Like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's like, I just, nobody does it the same way, you know? And like, right. Like, and when you think about like, you know, Hellraiser and like some of the things you see there and then and his other movies too, it's like, he makes the grotesque beautiful in a lot of ways. Like, not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying the sequence of that guy's beautiful, but it's like, it is visually striking. And then even yeah. with, with um, the binding mask on Nyx, it's something right. about that. It's like, you know, that's really striking. And it almost feels like uh Kirkland, like Sauron. You know, like, uh, like, you know, where you're like, oh, we have like, what was it? Like, like we have the, the, the armor of Sauron, but it's like, it's just right. this guy's head. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, I, um, I was going to make a, I was going to make a wrestling joke that I don't know if you'll get this or not, Nathaniel, but. Oh, I probably I, will. Nick's reminded me of like um, Eddie Kingston a little bit, uh, stepping, stomping around a little sure, bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like what if Eddie Kingston had magic? <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, um, yeah. so yeah, I just, I don't know, but like that, like the whole mask, the binding of it, like there's a certain, there's a certain logic that I love also the movie never breaks its rules. It just shows right. that like magic's its own thing, but there's also sacrifice. There's also penalty. And like, mm. I don't know, like there, there's a lot here that Barker does well that, I'm always on board for because you could tell you put the thought into it. Right. I think sometimes when you get to some of these, like these more, Oh, it's supernatural. So all, you know, all bets are off. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I just, sometimes it just it disconnects with me. Oh no. Yeah, this he, one yeah. has a coherence. It, it makes yeah. sense. You know, yeah, all of Parker's like, work does, even no matter how outlandish it gets, he still manages to find a way to justify it. Yeah, yeah, and right. like, I just I, I I just wanted to point that out. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but like because I, I also just called uh, Nick's Eddie Kingston, which I will not regret that statement. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll be Eddie Kingston's that next is. gimmick. Yeah, maybe that'll be his next gimmick. Is uh you know weird balding guy with a, a oh, schlubby sweatshirt and uh, Chris Jericho has called himself the Wizard recently, and I want to be like, well, what 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 kind of hat you wearing there, Chris Jericho? But he would like throw fireballs out and actually supposedly burned Kingston's face with a fireball. I want Kingston now to become the magician, the wizard right. yeah. fights Jericho. I am the Puritan. Yeah. The you, Puritan. you know, the Puritan, you know, he'll come up with a mandrake and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, he'll, uh, Oh, that's, that's the tag team I need now is Eddie Kingston and a mandrake. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, and then he'll grab a microphone and I will be, I will be boiled shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, that'll be the great. That'll be his uh, that promo of the year right there. Uh, call call Dave Meltzer. Uh, yeah. He's gonna he's right. gonna give that five stars. Um, wrestling reference that I'm sure Paul got, but Sam was going to do it. No, no, right over my head. <laughs> but um, but yeah, um, but yeah, let's talk about the cult because I mean it's probably the scariest part of this movie. Um, yeah. there's something, and I agree with you, Paul. I think that there's something very visually interesting about you know this compound in the desert, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and all these people are fairly normal looking. Um, you know, a lot of them are wearing relatively normal attire. Like the one guy who really is given lines this looks like the guy who works at IT, you know, yes. down the world, down the road. Right. Uh, and then you have that. It's always strike. It strikes me. And I don't know why this particular shot strikes me every time I watch it. But he he's basically saying the same old cult shit. Where he's like, they won't he won't let you leave. But then this woman comes up and puts her like arm around him. 
And there's something about the way that she does that and like clings to him and like he's like appreciative of it that you kind of get the idea of like maybe this is why they're a cult is right. like, you know, every that he's sub, that Nix is sort of like taught all these people to like get rid of certain social uh, ideas. Like there's just something about the way that like she cuddles him that just always struck me as very strange and un, uh, and unreal. It's very upsetting, especially yeah, like right. you mentioned like he, he like I I'm gonna make this joke and it's not true. He he's wearing like an Izod shirt, you know, right? Yeah. Like a little alligator. I, I don't think yeah. that's true, but um, yeah. but his glasses. He looks like he looks like you know a day trader that just right. happens to be there and call. He's like you know like you know I do some light stock trading during the day, nighttime I'm a cult member. You know whatever, it all works out. Like, yeah, this place doesn't pay for itself. The like these cracks. One of them is a mailman. I mean, one of them is a mailman. You know, yeah. Yeah. like th these these murdered chickens don't just show up by themselves, guys. You know, like You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a, a very unsettling uh, concept. Um, and I, I riffed this time to myself. I was like, hey, it's uh, uh the Snyder cult. Um, <laughs> you know, I especially, imagine, especially at the end where it's like, oh, will you like, will you get on your knees? And like, yeah, we're gonna break bottles. It's gonna be great. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. we're just gonna we're gonna bleed out. And it's like and you see all of them suffering, but they're like, but Snyder demands it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. I was thinking of it where I, where like they're cutting off their hair and be like, he is coming, he is coming, and I'm like, you know, right. sell it to Netflix, DCU to Netflix, <laughs> DCU to Netflix. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like, and that they don't even know that's what they look like. But that's that. now in my head. Anytime I see Snyder cut, Snyder cultists on Twitter, I'm going to be thinking about these people, like you right. know, smashing bottles and like you Something know, about like their their um their complete blind devotion to a point. Right. I, so right. something about that's very upsetting that something mm -hmm. about that it gets louder and louder, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But yeah, the idea that this this takes place, what, what, 12, 15 years after the like the initial um, thing that happens. That yeah. starts mm -hmm. the movie, And then we see them still there, which I know I supposedly one of the things cut from the director's cut is that the people that were part of this cult shows them like like disengaging from their families by killing all of them and coming back. Right. Um, yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of glad that I didn't see that because I almost kind of prefer that they were there still waiting. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Okay. me too. It's a good scene. It's uh, you know, they play, play get religion, you know, and the, they just have a little montage of them, you know, killing their families and stuff. Well, and I mean, I still mean that's sure fun. that still yeah. work, but right. I also like the idea that they were still there, right? Waiting. And then by the time you get there, it's like it's more depraved. Where it's like, it's almost like um, like oh, our old ways of worship weren't working. We need to give more and more because like right. And so like when they're like you know cutting their hair and and, and cutting parts of their skin, and mm -hmm. like uh, giving of the flesh, which again that's a big Barker thing, right? Yeah. Like right. Yeah. And it's like you know. Sure, and they're like, really bad at cutting hair. Like, you think gosh. one of them could have figured it out? <laughs> yeah, it's like they all took um, they all took lessons from like was uh, Corey Corey uh, Feldman from uh, uh <laughs> yeah, <13> part four. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, I broke name my another name another podcast that would use that reference, ladies and gentlemen. Hooray! Yeah, <laughs> nobody else, but yeah. um. But yeah, no, I mean, I totally, I, uh, but the thing is actually to, to your point, Paul, about the cult, like waiting there and the idea, I didn't know, I don't think I've ever actually seen the director's cut. So I guess that makes mm -hmm. sense. Cause it was a question I had when I was watching Wednesday. Did they just hang out there for 18 years? Um, that's... I don't know. There's people that showed up in Dallas waiting for JFK Jr. to show up again recently. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like, well, I mean, it's like, did they literally just stay there for 18 years or did yeah, they go right. away? But yeah, so the, I guess in the director's cut, they answer that question, but 
in the original film, I was um, I'm watching going like, did they literally just hang out there for like the last 15 years? Right. Like, aren't why aren't they dead? Um, well, I like that the final shot when you see you know Bakula and Famke Jansen walking away. There's this mm-hmm. little area there that there's like nurturing like plants. Did you notice like the little tires that had trees in it and stuff? Where it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, there's like an agricultural portion of this. I wish that they would have pulled like a from dust till dawn thing where the camera would have turned and you would have found out this was an abandoned chi cheese or something. <laughs> right. Like that this yeah. was a staff of a chi cheese that Nick showed up at one point and he wanted to get all the salsa. Also magic. That's yeah. what I want. Right, right. Yeah. Like so um, but, that, but 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 the idea that they would wait there, um, I thought it gave Nick's a kind of Nick's had a point watching the direct right, watching the theatrical anyway. Where it's like they're all sheep. They had they're not taking yeah. any- he was like right. I was like, I would be kind of mad too. I think if I was like, wait, none of my, I, it's been 15 years and none of my followers like went and yeah, dug other than, me other up. Than Butterfield, like, right. He's like, Hey, what if I'm David Bowie and just run right. around and like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and also like uh, straddle people with my uh, tight pants and you can see what I'm packing my Butterfield. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the Rick Sloan hobgoblins pants. Yeah. The, right. uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what Tom Servo said, I can I I can trust that the, I don't need to see every part of the human anatomy outlined in spandex. I can trust it's all there. <laughs> but um, but I like but yeah. that Butterfield is the disciple is interesting to me because he's yeah. also he he admits he's like I'm a mortal, and right. it took me a while to figure this out. Like I just something about like that where it's like like he like there, there's that line again between like reality and non-reality that i really 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 appreciate that he's like like when she's like well why it takes so long he's like i had to learn yeah, that's right. such a cool that's such a cool thought of like well this was been a process and no one stopped me and i've been devoted to my master yeah i thought that was cool yeah no i do i agree i think that's a really interesting aspect that you know yeah that uh she's like why didn't you dig him up immediately and him saying well i had to go figure that out like I had right. to, you know, I didn't have the power to to resurrect him. Um, now so I do. I've been he's working like, I didn't on want a weekend in a Bernie's two scenario. I just knew where he was. I right. I will find him when I need him. <laughs> I, I, that well, and I think that's the that's your spec script for weekend of Bernie's three right there, Paul. You'd be like a mm-hmm. cult leader, and they just they're like, oh shit, the cult leader is dead. Well, string him up and like yeah. yeah. Oh, if we get what Jonathan Silverman back in, like you know, yeah. and if not him. We'll just get Sarah Silverman to fill in. It's fine. It'll be fine. You know? Yeah, I think it would be great if they did a uh, Weekend of Bernie's that was like, it's so like the Scream movies where like, you know, uh, Jonathan Silverman comes back, but he's the new Bernie. Right. Like they kill him off. He has to hand off the hand off the baton that he's now uh, the, now the corpse. Um, yeah. But, I, yes, please. That, that Why is that not made right now? Why am I not? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Weekend at Bernie's. What, a, what an idea. But um but they don't call Weekend at Bernie's three. They just call it Weekend at Bernie's again. Like they just call right, it again because like, yep. that's what you do, right? Like, um, like, like I, I was pitching to Samuel last night, uh, real quick. This is like something we talked about during tacos. Like, why mm-hmm. don't we have a continuation of cocktail like Top Gun Maverick? Why don't yeah. we have the continuation of Tom Cruise's bartender character thirty years later, where he's still a bartender? Yeah. Like, yeah. come on, these are the movies we need right now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we, we need cocktail yeah. maverick. We need sorry, cocktail Kokomo. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> we need it. That's what we cocktail need. Kokomo. Uh yeah. bartender questions life decisions. Um yeah. Um you can't quite flip the bottle over his head anymore because you know yeah. <laughs> he's just too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shot he shot his back out having to yeah. uh, carry up well, all these uh, kegs and... that is the new is the new uh, hotness, you know, whatever anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um where Sorry. were we? 
Yeah. I apologize. No, uh, no, yeah, the cult. Uh, but yeah, just the general idea that uh, that they would be that devoted, that they would just sort of hang around for fifteen years. Um, right. Uh, it, it was it was an interesting idea, but uh, I think it's cool that the directors cut. Sam, uh, what are the okay? Why don't we do that? What What are the, some of the differences between the uh, director's cut and like what's added back in for the director for the director's cut? I don't know because I usually just watch the director's cut. Okay, so much. You know, I know like that seems there. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so we might not be able to really discuss that because I think I've only seen the right theatrical, and you've only seen the. Well, no, there was a breakdown of the trivia. Like there was an extended sequence okay. of Magic Castle where the older gentleman brings uh, Harry in and explains a little bit more. There's right. Stuff yeah. There. There's a little bit more. It's, there's a lot of more of like character context, which Barker says is like kind of the guts of the movie, which. Like I, I would agree with that. However, I think what we get is pretty, pretty solid. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying this is a perfect movie at no, all. Right. However, I'm saying that I think there's a lot more going for this than against it. Um, and I think that like um for, for you know, do I need another 14 minutes? I think I do. But hmm. from what I but considering some of the other films we've seen that have been uh mandated by the studio to be chopped down, where they lose like the effect. I don't think this is it, you know, like, I think that we get it, you know, yeah. like, um, and so I think we get enough for, for what we have. Do I want a little bit more context? Absolutely. But I think what we get works really well. I, I think it does too, for the most part, narratively. I don't think there's, I don't feel like really feel like anything is missing when I watch you, this. This isn't something that's resonated with you. So tell me why this is something tell me, tell me why you're wrong. Kidding, but you're not wrong. But like, um, I'm already I'm already upset about the taco thing, but can you please uh, tell me? Um, <laughs> okay, you want to know what? You, oh, so you want to know like what what I don't like about Lord of Illusions? Like, I mean, like, um, I'm like, but I know, like I know you're coming at it from a a position of like you're not punching down. Yeah. But if you, yeah. if, 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 you if you have issues with something, you have issues with something, right? Mm -hmm. Like I went on a tirade about Skin Marink, and yeah. I, 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 I'm still checking my watch. Nothing's happened yet. But continue. <laughs> Um, like, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, a, it's, uh, I think the movie is, it's, it's very 1995, um, in the sense that I feel like a lot, if you watch a lot of horror films from 1995, um, the cool factor is almost always there. There's something that, uh, that's very, uh, kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like, you know, there, there's a hipness to them, I think. Uh, and I think that's something that Lord of, Lord of Illusions has uh, to a degree, uh, sometimes I think at the expense of what might be a much stronger film. And uh, I talked about this a little bit last week where I've got mixed feelings about Barker as a director. I think he's a great writer. Um, he's a great short story writer. His novels have always been hit or miss. Uh, he has a tendency, I think, to write from a perspective of making some stuff up as he goes along. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. And this film to me feels a little bit like that, where uh, first of all, it has a lot of second act problems, which is a pretty common problem for horror film anyway. Um, but I think that this film is just sort of messy uh, in the sense that it wants to be this noir film. It also wants to be the supernatural horror film. And I almost feel like while those two things do collide quite, quite well, I don't think they quite mesh here. And um and there's some there's some silliness to it. I mean, that said, there are some very striking uh, set pieces, some very striking visuals, some very great moments. Um, but uh, it's 
there's something that doesn't quite fit uh, for me that I'm kind of like, there is something, maybe it's still like that Clyde Barker was never as assured a director as I think he maybe would have liked to have been. Like he talks about that with Hellraiser. He was like, well, I, the famous story now, he's like, I went to the library to check out books on the film and on filmmaking and they're both checked out. So I didn't have a book. So I had to make it up that I feel like him as a, uh, as a filmmaker, he never quite learned uh, how to do things. I think, well, I think he just sort of ran with what he thought he needed to be doing. And I think sometimes that shows, and I think Lord of the illusions, uh, maybe more than any of his work that shows there's something that maybe he thought he had a better handle on it. And I think maybe he slid backwards and there's just, so there's just something that doesn't quite connect uh, with me mm-hmm. with this film that I'm kind of like, this is a, this is a fun enough movie and I do in, enjoy it for the most part. Um, it's just, it doesn't quite come together. I think the way it should. And uh, I think it's the weakest of his three directorial outings. I would say, um, yeah, I would. Yeah. That. Um, but I think, I think he, I, I still think the movie is, is, is interesting. I mean, we haven't even talked about really about Daniel von Bargen yet. And yeah, we need he's to, yeah. great. great. Um, uh, but, uh, maybe, you know, Kevin O'Connor, uh, maybe not the best cast for casting choice for Swan. He's kind of like this whiny shrieky guy. Um, I don't buy him as an illusionist, as a no, mega mega charismatic illusionist. No, no, no. It just I don't. I I can't put my finger on who he reminds me of, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like um, you know, like it'd almost be better now. Oh, uh, like I, not that we need a remake of this, but like it would almost be better if we got Kyle Mooney playing mm. that. Character. I would like, <laughs> you because know, at least then it'd be we'd be weirdly funny. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, and funnily enough, Kevin O'Connor would end up, uh, he and Famke Johnson would end up doing another picture together uh, uh, a few years later with uh, Deep Rising, um, right? where he was a little bit better cast, where he was kind of meant to be kind of comic relief. Um, he's he's a, a kind of a, a very fine comedic character actor, and I think he does a pretty good job here, I, uh, but he doesn't quite fit the part. I think uh, I'm like, well, you wanted a David Copperfield kind of guy and you got, you we know, needed, we needed Tom Noonan to play the part is what we needed. We needed yeah, Tom I would buy that. Yeah. yeah. I would have bought that. Cause I was looking up, I was like, is this the same guy that played uh Kane and Robocop too? I'm like, no, <laughs> but, but we needed that kind of energy. We needed that kind of Kane energy. Right. Like yeah. I think Tom Noonan would have been wonderful in this role. I agree. I think, yeah, uh, yeah that are you know, a good, uh, a good brooder. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of actor I think would have worked better with it um somebody a little bit more inscrutable maybe um like you know just the idea that uh what what I think Kevin O'Connor brought to the role I think that works is is the shiftiness mm-hmm. like we don't know what side he'll you know what side he's gonna end up on even though he's been right. nominally like said to be against Nicks uh, the he's character is so brides yeah right it's yeah. a little weird there's yeah. also that yeah um but there is like you don't do the math but you do the math you're like oh no that's oh no marry him from love yeah. like well yeah. why did you marry him because i was 12 I'm like yeah. oh, be, i don't know because I was, kentucky 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, I know I was three years past the legal age in Kentucky to get married. <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, I mean, but my, but that the best what I mean is that, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connor at least gave me that where I was like, this guy, you can't trust this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and that to the point when when Nix is like giving him that final offer, you think he's probably actually going to accept it. Like he's like, you know what? I give up. Sure. Right. I'll uh, I, I will be your disciple. I'll be the be the guy you want me to be. Um, what if you but, like this? This is more for uh, SML. What if Kevin mm-hmm. McDonald was that character uh, <laughs> from Kids in the Hall? Kevin McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I could see it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm just trying. Like they all kind of same type of like physicality. Right. <laughs> that amazing. Yeah, I, mean, just, I can actually. He's just yeah, yelling and pointing his finger. He's just like, yeah. He's like, I have the power to. Was it, was he the one? I was like, I pit, I, I crush your head. Was that him? Oh, uh, that was uh, Mark McKinney. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have the magic to crush your head. Anyway, so right. yeah. yeah. But no, that and would that be. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah, and um, uh, Funka Johnson's. Uh, I mean, obviously. A beautiful beautiful woman um but dorothea doesn't get an awful lot once again we have a clive barker script where the female doesn't get much to do besides sit there um right and while she does sort of end up kind of sort of saving the day both times mm-hmm. um doing the thing that nobody else could do um i just i wish that would played up more i just i feel like that's something that uh that this movie could have used more of is like you know yeah. this is the girl that shot the guy in the back of the in the back I like that she admitted, like, after she had sex with the Scott Bakula, she's like, oh, yeah, I shot that guy. And he's like, yeah. whoa, 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 okay. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I think the chemistry between the both of them is pretty good. I'll say mm. that. Like, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm always going to be a Scott Bakula honk. I, I think he's great. Um, And I, there is a charisma here, but there's also, like, there's the bit when he's in the Magic Castle when he's calling out um the the one gentleman, Um, you know, when we just talked about him earlier. <laughs> nice uh, accent. Is it Brooklyn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was so great. And, then, yep. and it's like, and then how that, that uh, what's his name, defaulted to his ghost on the subway. Right, yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> hey, fuck you, pal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that. But also, I think it's funny that he was invited to like this inner circle meeting where it's right. like, oh, you're part of the press. It's like, no, I'm not. It's like, how did you get in here? Like, how? Like, I don't because think Stan Lee said he was with him, you know? Yeah. 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 Excelsior. Have a seat. Yeah. You know, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a little bit. Uh, there's a couple of points where uh, the film, the the story definitely, uh, maybe it doesn't, maybe in the director's cut, it's expanded on a little bit, but there's some mm-hmm. shortcuts, narrative shortcuts, definitely taken right. a little illusions. And more. Uh, namely in that they're like, yeah, Harry DeMore is a detective, but he he's doing like the guy who had, who had set out, his entire life's work to bring back Nix and get revenge on the people that put Nix is like this woman disappeared. Demora right. finds her in 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, she's still in LA. She's still right. in the, you know, uh, at a mental hospital. Uh, apparently uh, Butterfield didn't think of that, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they could have just looked oh, in the phone book. I, or I, something. Like, I like that you're over your, you, that's what you're picking on versus the nuns that don't go to chase after her. Yeah. After yeah. she panics and runs away. Oh, I know. I, I, yeah, I was getting and then, that. And then, but like, yeah. then, like, you know, Demora is like, I'm going to go help you in here. You, you, it's almost like, it's almost like a Brady Bunch, like, you know, oh, Cousin Oliver, no. <laughs> Done. Done. Yep. And then she's under her car, and you're like, and then, but you don't see the rest of the sister come out to this. It's just got yeah. back to the being like, damn. 
you know. Well, when I was watching, I was just what I actually just thrown it on before we sat down to record, and I, I was at that seat and noticed uh, also that I was like, well, wait, why are they walking around for this conversation? Uh, why isn't she just why are they just sitting comfortably in a room someplace having this interview? Um, but then there's also like they specifically tell him not to tell her Swan has died because she will have a negative mm-hmm. reaction. And his response is Swan's dead, by the way. And she's right. like, oh no, I'm freaking out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, but all of that I, still. I, liked, kind of, I also like the, the oddly convenient just dudes digging a hole, like a dig in a trench, right? which yeah. again, that's like, I like that, that like I, I'm making the joke, but I like that it's like, that's a real thing that would happen. There would be construction work going on yeah. sometimes, right? And it's right. like, yeah. so I like that, but it's like how, like, she's like, oh, digging, digging. I got to run away. Yeah. God. And there's no offense either, by the way. You could just run out into traffic from the mental institution, apparently. Um, yeah, like, you could even put some bushes in or something that she could get tangled in. I just, I wish there had been a scene where, like, the one nun goes to grab a butterfly net and was like, nah, not today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Let her fly no. free. Well, we don't. Yeah, we don't believe in fences here yeah. at this mental I, institution. I just need, I just need an owl to show up and be like, "You have a thirteen uh, percent like success rate here," and it's like, yeah. you know, and then like then Scott, then you know, uh, Sam Beckett's like, "Oh boy," and like, I, I <laughs> yeah, um, right. This is one of the darkest leaps I've seen. Yeah, yeah, uh, right up to the last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just like, yeah, he's like. But yeah, I mean that that whole sequence of events is sort of like really okay film, um, right? Uh, especially since I'm not sure what's actually gained from it either, which is another uh, fun part of no, no, like, no, like it confirms that like um, Demore is on the right path, yeah. right? He understands right. that like um, Dorothy has been lying to him, yeah. So he starts to figure it out. But 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 when you caught you keep talking about uh, Daniel von Bargen, I just want to mention that my most familiar with him is Malcolm in the Middle. When he was playing like yeah. the military school leader, yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he was so good in that, right? So yeah, right. you were talking about how he's like maybe he was like you know like maybe this isn't like the best uh, things for him. Like if you look at his um, his IMDb uh, filmography, like yeah. you know he took a lot of paychecks. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just I want to think this is also a prequel to Malcolm in the Middle before he shows back up <laughs> after getting like you know sent to hell he ends up becoming the like you know the leader of the military school right. uh, missing a hand but it's like he was also like like the later part of his life like he had like a lot of complications from like uh, diabetes and it's like he was like losing limbs and everything I'm like that's upsetting and that's yeah. Sad. yeah yeah but he was so he was really he, like he was so good in Malcolm in the Middle that was the, that's how I remembered him you know yeah. so. Yeah, but he like also here talk about like maybe the thankless job of some of the dialogue. Yeah, it's right. like he's compelling and he like very yeah. compelling. Like, I'm not saying likable, but compelling, which I think that's the point of this, right? Yeah. So like to the point where at the beginning part of the movie, he's like, oh, there's this weird rib thing that's going on in the corner here. It looks like a like an angel that's been like you know eviscerated. I'm right. gonna hide here. And turn yeah, around. Yeah, I'm gonna fly you. down from it. <laughs> yeah. But you got to appreciate a villain who understands like theatrics, you know, yes. like uh, what what is the most what is actually the most dramatic way for me to confront Swan uh, float up there in that corner, turn it around. And then when he's in there talking to the girl, I turn it around. I'm going to fly down at him. Yep. Uh, it's going to be pretty rad. 
I'm gonna um, smell like cow guts for the rest of eternity. But you oh know, my god, that yeah. whole entire compound. Because like, there was a bit too. They showed like, oh, everybody like, like, like when it was when the four of them came back and the one guy's like holding mm-hmm. like, uh, like you know, innards. Yeah, like, right. Are you you're coming back? It's like, oh yeah, I was here for for um, intestine night. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. <laughs> You know, like the one guy's like, I changed my mind. I'm like, yep. did you? I know you hear the shotgun. I don't think you changed your mind. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. ugh. Yeah, like, that's the uh, that's the MCU version of Lord of Illusions. You know, the guy will walk in and be like, whoa, wrong room. And like, no, back yeah, up. he's right like, behind me, isn't he? No, this isn't a Chi Chi's. This is just like the darkest <laughs> version of Golden Corral, is what this should have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I assumed, uh, Sam, that's that, that, that generally is what McDonald's was like, right? Working in yeah. yeah, it's yeah, just, just people just, cutting off oh, their hair and, oh, and eating innards. Back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just people sitting around, uh, you know, just eating raw meat. Yeah, anything to make the shift go faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you? Did you occasionally juggle fire? Yeah. Well, you were okay. Yeah, I figured as much. It's just like it's like bow down. You're like okay, rubble, rubble, rubble. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you disobey to the ball pit, um, <laughs> but the, the play place or the sleigh place, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, no, the uh, Daniel Bargain is actually great as well. That and what what the reason why I brought it up uh, was also this the idea of like I really wanted to know because you know every once in a while this comes up and it actually just happened recently I think of Michael Shannon. Uh, kind of was in an interview talking about the flash coming up. He's in that again, right. reprising his role as Zod. And he's like, I don't know why I was in that movie. I thought I died in man right. steel. And it's sort of like, there's a little bit of like that disappointment where you're like, Oh, Michael Shannon doesn't care. But then right. you're like, well, no, why would he care? He's an actor, you know um, you know, he may not be, you know, I remember a conversation back the first time Chris Evans was talking about leaving the Captain America role. And I, I mm-hmm. a guy, a guy I knew was like, why would he do that? Like, that's stupid. Like, why would he give up the prestige and the fame and the money? And I'm like, maybe and I was like, because Captain America matters to us. It's actually right. completely conceivable. It doesn't matter to Chris Evans. Well, no, I think it matters um, to him, but also like the yeah. upkeep. It has to be crazy yeah. for that, right? right? Like, yeah. But I also want to yeah. point out that um that uh, who we're talking about was also in RoboCop 3. So I'm going to guess that his level yeah. of like commitment to a role you know yeah yeah but i mean it's like you always i always find myself wondering when you see a performance like this from an actual like veteran mm-hmm. character actor who's worked with everybody and done all this stuff that uh whether or not he uh was into this or not and uh and you know sometimes you you kind of i think we always as horror fans we always hope that they're going to be that we're going to find out there's you know on the blu-ray there's a special you know commentary with daniel farm bargain being right. like, oh, I loved doing this role and it was great. And I'm sorry more people didn't see the film, but I, I have, uh, then you usually find out they didn't much care for yeah. it or see it. Uh, Sam tells me, I uh, I asked him, I was like, is there anything on the Blu-ray above Daniel Von Bargen? And you, he said, there isn't, right? Right. But so the only thing you found out was that he wasn't going to take the role. And then he talked to Clyde Barker and then he said he would take the role. Right. Was there any more to that or? Not, not really. Like there wasn't. It? Yeah, was, was Michael couple... Ironside not available at the time? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, like yeah, he must feel have like, been, yeah. Like, like I feel like these guys are birds of a feather, which they would have both chewed up the scenery. But oh yeah, I think sure. I think uh, Daniel Varbargan did. Like, there's something here that there there is a power in his performance. Like, yeah, I, like I really really appreciate because it's like like we talk about this being like you mentioned how like maybe the scope isn't as big as it should be in terms mm-hmm. of like the world, but it's like I don't think 
he needed the world to bow down to him. He just needed enough. You know, that's right. why you're going to be out in the middle of nowhere and be this weirdo, right? That's like running a cult. Like, like I have absolute power, but it's almost like it, there's almost that knowledge of like, if I expand this out too much, it's going to be, become untenable. Right. Yeah. Like, like, so like, I'm like, I'm comfortable in knowing that I've gone to some dark places and I'm at this uh, <laughs> slash golden corral with my, uh, my crew here. Uh, like, you know, it's like, whatever, like, you know, like, right. Well, he has every intention of ending the world. I mean, that is his, that's, well, that's his said, point of view. We didn't really see that in practice at the beginning part, other than I juggled some fire. Right. I, uh, I adopted, I adopted a girl for reasons. Yep. Yeah. Like, like the, the, my, I my, says uh, to Mabel, I says, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my primate friend wanted to scare a girl. I don't know. Like right. whatever, you know, like, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I think that, yeah, I, I think that the destroying the world was it's after he'd come back from the dead or whatever. But yeah, like right. initially it seems like, and what Barb Bargain is doing, I think with this role that, um, and I think what, what Clive Barker kind of wrote in was also like, it's, there's a loneliness, I think, to him. Like, yeah. uh, you know, that the the idea of Swan being a companion means more to it is the only thing that matters to him. The cult is all inconvenient. They don't. He doesn't really care about them at all. Because that's, uh, that's what he says. Right. To, um, that's what he says to Swan. He's like, "You join me. You know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna do all this." But it's like, I will eventually kill you. But yeah. I would enjoy the companionship. Yeah. Like you know, like basically, I I don't want to be alone in this. Yeah. We were going. We were going to keep each other company in the dark. That's um, right. uh, it, but Daniel Bond bargain, uh, it, this script has some terrific lines oh, yeah. for Nick's and, oh, for uh, sure. Daniel Bond bargain manages to kill all of them. He does great, but yeah. like, you know, uh, but like you said, he was like, I will kill you when I'm done. I have to, uh, you know, it's the way he delivers it is this, like, there's some genuine grief there. Like, he's like, no, I'm going to have to kill you at the end of it, mm -hmm. but I want you to understand that I have to do that. It's not that I, I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, and then he, but at the end too, when he has some of those lines of, you know, uh, she's like, who are you? And he, I am a man who wanted to be a God, but changed his mind. Um, you know, uh, what a line it, I, it's technically gibberish, but it's what, but what a line, um, it, uh, it, it, he lands so many phenomenal lines that I, I kind of wanted to be like, was he into this? But I have a right. feeling, well, you just no, know, he might I, just be a great actor. Yeah, I, I think he's but, just good at it, you know. I don't, I don't yeah. know if that line's gibberish because it's like to be a god means that you want to rule over all, but then to right. realize like I don't want to be that meaning, I want to end it all. Like, yeah, I think there's a difference there. So I yeah. think he realized that like the price he's paid, but he doesn't want that burden. I think there's a weird not humanity, but it's like a um self-reflection that you must right. have had sitting. Oh, by the way, I like how Swan's like, we're gonna bury him in a hole nobody can find. Other than three feet in the dirt. Yeah, I was going right. to say, so about four feet under the dirt. Yeah, yeah. that's a good, that's good work, Swan. Um, you can like bury him near a big rock, so if we need to find him later for reasons, you know, yeah. We'll... yeah, like I, I like I like I tried like I we tried making like a small patio behind our house, like, and we mm -hmm. we dug like maybe like sixteen inches. Um, that was the worst sixteen inches we've ever dug. Mm. Like it took days. And right. for somebody to be like, oh, like I, I think whenever you see a mafia movie where it's like, go dig your own grave, it's like you should take that person and be like, okay, we'll be back in two weeks. Good luck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that idea. Yeah, that there's a deleted scene in which uh, what they're like burying a hole, and uh, this is deep enough, guys. It's hot. Right. 
All right. Yeah. They're like, but what if somebody digs him up? Uh, what, 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 how likely is that really? Like, I mean, I, right. like I would dig like maybe six inches and then be like, well, we could just find some dirt and put over top of them. Right? Can't we just cut him into pieces yeah. and feed him to the mandrill? Right. Like, you know, like, the only uh, thing that's bound is his head is cut it off and just like, can we throw that in the ocean? I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, the ocean would have been a better option. It would have been like, right. grab a box and take him out to the bay and throw him <laughs> off. Uh, you know, well, uh, the, the funnier thing would have been like if they were taking it to like the Hoover Dam and threw it into like was it Lake Mead, not Lake Mead, but like um, throw it in behind and now yeah. now twenty twenty three now he's coming like, up because <laughs> <is like>, you <laughs> know, the world's dying. You're like, oh, this is back. Oh God, no, you know that would have been better, right? Yeah, it was like I mean, you, you could burned you buried him. me. Yeah, yeah. But, but like global warming took care of it. He wasn't buried. He wasn't even buried six feet. It was like you know. Three feet. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I don't know. Yeah. Buried him with all, all the all the enthusiasm of a dog burying a bone. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a small hole, dump it in there. Uh that's good enough, I guess. Uh but yeah, I mean there's so, so many ways to dispose of a body, and they chose none of them. Uh they just chose yeah. the uh the lacing way. I mean, this yes. guy could end the world apparently, but you know, a right. uh, a small hole in the middle of the Mohave Desert, probably good <laughs> enough. Um yeah. I mean, they might as well just let them out in the sun to rot, really. I mean, right. like, at least the coyotes would have got them, you know. But that, that would have been better, you know, like him and just yeah. put, put out the mandrake with them, right? Lord of Illusion, Lord of Illusions 2, the coyotes yeah. with magic powers, you know. Yeah. So but just have the mandrill out there with him. With the mandrill. In the sun, you know, anyway. Yeah. No, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, aside from, like, I think a lot of the practical effects in this film hold up really, really well. But mm. then yeah. when they get to, like, like some of the more digital effects that's where it gets a little weird even even whenever the, they do like the scarecrow fear gas bits i mm-hmm. think those work really well mm, i think staring right. and stuff works pretty good um yeah the dorito man that happens uh in the compound is bad that's i love that right. yeah i, I mean, love that yeah it's fun but yeah. it's bad like yeah. we've all seen the lawnmower man that's bad right yeah. like, right you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be like, are you Nacho Cheese? It's like, yeah, but the sequel is Cool Ranch. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> no, I love that. I, I love some of the outdated effects of this movie just right. because I was like, this gives it a certain, there's a certain charm to this. Like, it uh, also makes it look like the Scott Bakley hates geometry. Like, yeah. Yeah. I hate yeah. triangles. I, I, hate, I hate tangrams. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've literally dealt with a possessed child, but these Doritos they're really pissing me yeah. off. Um, yeah, it's too it's too cool ranch for me. Anyway, so <laughs> no, I just I don't know. Like, I like this movie a great deal. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It's, yeah. it's fun. And, yeah. and getting a chance to revisit it, um, I was texting a buddy of mine. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go talk about." It. He's like, "I'm not seeing it." I'm like, "I'm like, I don't know how well it holds up because I've not seen it in years." <laughs> but right. watching it this morning um like i had a lot of fun with it and it was one of those bits where it's like i had to pause at some point because i was like dealing with like i don't know our eight thousand cats or something right pause it i was already halfway through and i'm like am i halfway through this already like as much as i know the director's cut like has a little bit more this right. thing it has it, it moves at a good it, clip like i'm yeah. never i'm never bored with it i'm never waiting for the next thing to happen like yeah right yeah yeah. it has a really good velocity to it that i um I agree like, with that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. Like the idea that this is like, you know, I just, I really love this movie. I'm on, I'm, I'm a honk for it. So I apologize. Right. For being yeah. honk, but no, that's a shot and bride with uh, tacos and $4. Yeah. 
No, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't owe us an apology. Uh, you know, right? Uh, you know, it's uh, no, it's, it's Scott uh, Bakula. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. I, 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 I thought Nathaniel and I were on the same page about our Bakula love, and I pitched mm-hmm. him at one point. Yeah. Um, a watch through of Quantum Leap. You're like, well, I don't know how I feel about them. Like, you son of a bitch. I didn't say that, back to you, but um, um, no. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I pitched some alternates to you, but you didn't like those either. So you know, right. so two can play at that no, game. No, oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh yeah! yeah. If we're, we're gonna want to start the uh, start the the wheel of uh, uh, of rejection there, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, the um. But, but what no, can you I, I was... pitch this better than Quantum Leap? No, 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 no. I mean, he wanted, just... no, he I... wanted every, like, and I think this is a fun idea. It's just that yep. I also say this though that anything I pitch as a third podcast, my wife will kill me. Yeah, wife will kill you anyway. Yeah, um, is that like watching old like like I would love to do like, a watch through of uh, every Royal Rumble and just yeah, you know, like once a month and just do it. Yeah, I think right. it's a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah. I, I pitched a couple I... things. Yeah, to you, but yeah, the but um. But yeah, I mean, no, I've I've never was a big fan of Quantum Leap. Uh, I I liked it fine. Um, I'd seen mm-hmm. a few episodes, and I like Scott Bakula fine. Um, and I think he's pretty good in this movie. Uh, I do like the detail that apparently he insisted on the tattoo, right? Yeah. Um, that he uh had read uh the the books with the character in it, and mm-hmm. uh, wanted the tattoo as for authenticity purposes, and I think that's really a cool touch. Yeah. Um, and that it wasn't Clyde Barker's idea. It was actually Scott Bakula's idea is really cool. Um, and he does uh, in this film in particular, I don't know how he does with some of the other work, but his, he brings a lot of physicality to the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight scenes he's in, he feels, they feel very authentic. Um, right. I love when he gets jumped by the guy and like the, the guy's on top of him and he actually starts punching him in the ribs. Um, it's very like fighting with my brother. But like, but mm-hmm. that's what that's the reality. Like, I think that's a joke on uh, um, how I met your mother when a guy's like, you know, a whole episode talking about how he can fight. He knows how to fight. And they're like, how do you know that? And he's like, oh, I used to fight with my brother. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's not the same thing as fighting. And he's like, and at the end of the episode, he like knocks a guy out and like two punches or something like that. And they're like, why did you learn right. to do that? He's like, I used to fight with my brother. And like, there's a flashback right. of like full on fight club. Like, because I'm like, if you fought with your brother, that's what you did. They were knockdown right. down drag out brawls. They were not like, you know, play fighting. It was literally like you tried yeah. to kill each other. Yeah. Um, there, was, there was a time where I was like uh, roughhousing one of the younger brother and he ended up uh, pinning me. And then my mom, who was just sitting at our dining room table with her leg propped up smoking a cigarette, she's like, Brian, let him go. You're going to break his glasses. This <laughs> So I don't know how that went. So right. <laughs> like, like yeah, I, I ended up uh, on the wrong side of uh, of that fight, and my mom had to intervene by like just yelling at my brother yeah. to let me go. So yeah, yeah. Michael- Sam, you did some you did some brawling with your brother, right? Oh, for sure. Like yeah. uh, you know, there's one time I chased him around with a baseball bat. So you yeah, know. yeah, same thing. My brother and I, my younger, bro- my younger brother and I, used to fucking wail on each other right. like just hardcore. No, but yeah, brother- I mean. Yeah, my younger brother and older brother, um, there was a lot of, there, at one point, there's six years difference between the two of them. My younger brother brought a, um, the, like a wall phone, like the receiver <laughs> for a wall phone, yeah. and clocked my older brother in the head yeah. with it. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's like, those things were solid six, as fuck, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, like is six years difference, that phone's yep. going to be the equalizer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I think my younger brother threw me off a roof once. I mean, like, they literally, yeah. like, they, they, yeah. those fights are real. But my point is that Bakula uh, brought that, brought that energy to a lot of the yeah. fight scenes he was in where it's like, he's actually uh, uh pragmatic 
you know, little scrapping to scrappy survive. Yeah. yeah. And um, it feels like it's actually him. I, I think some of it's a stunt double, but like a lot of them are in close up where he's literally like throwing punches and doing things in combat that really do feel like very authentic, very genuine that. So he brings a lot of that believability to the role. I don't know right. if that's something that he's known for, but in other work, um, but he, he just really kind of did really well with a lot of very physical bits. And mm -hmm. uh, that impressed me quite a bit. Um uh, if, is anything you spot in a lot watching a lot of action adventure horror stories it's people who don't know how to convincingly throw a punch um, but also the editing here actually doesn't get too jittery no like in terms of the action which is easy to like hand wave away yeah like right. even with him fighting uh was it the, the the one thug that had um that was the nazi punk right like right. um like the the two fights that they had were really good like that was very yeah. effective like so i like that and um like yeah it's just the times that he was like thrown in like it wasn't there was no um there was no panic it was always like what what's the the most effective way out of this mm -hmm. and i like i right. even even when he got like clocked in the nose which i wish they would have actually like you know shown that his nose was broken <laughs> that's right. what happened yeah but also yeah. like it's movies right yeah, especially how he like you know kicks the dude in the balls after like trying to like you know call him like draw him in. Yeah, like you can tell this isn't Harry's first like you know tussle. No, um, right. No. Tussle sounds like a light term, for, you know, for fighting. For what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just I you're you're right. I, I like the physicality. I like mm -hmm. just there's, I just I don't know. Like I I gave this film like five stars on Letterbox. I adore this film. I'm not saying it's perfect, but mm -hmm. right. Uh, can I can I watch this at, like? Like since I've recently saw it again today for the first time in a long time. Oh yeah, I yeah. think this is lean and mean and just weird right. enough. And also, uh, Scott Bakula is a you know just he's just a really attractive dude. And you know yeah. I just hang out with yeah. him. I'm like, it's just him and um Billy Zane. You know if we just want to hang out sometimes, it's fine. You know yeah. like <laughs> it's not it's it's not gay. It's just guys hanging That's out. Right. I'm not, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not going to add labels. I'm just saying, if Scott back. Yeah, like, right. hey. He's, like, he to me, he's like, hey, you want to leap? I'm like, yeah, I want to leap. That's funny. You know, <laughs> but Sam, what do you got? <laughs> I think we've covered most of it. Like, it, I, I like that. Like, like that question means nothing. But like, because most of my most of my most of my notes were about you know the the great acting from a uh, from Scott Bakula and uh, Nick's whose name yeah. I always forget. Daniel Von Bargain. Yeah. Daniel Von Bargain. Yep. Yeah. No, he's great. He really is great in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's saying lines that like, a, like another actor would probably like say like, like a televangelist. Yes. And he's just got this weird, like, you know, whispery kind of cadence to it instead that it's like this world weariness that's kind of yeah. makes it more interesting than, you know, if he was just going, you know, full on, you know, Jimmy swaggered with it. Oh yeah. Somebody would, so I think a lesser actor would definitely have just gone, uh, like, especially in the before, like the before he died, you know, portion yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And somebody else might've gone full, like, you know, uh, high Shakespeare, you know, right. like to be or not to be, yeah. um, you know, Christopher, Plum Christopher Plummer in Star Trek six, uh, right. you know, um, Lauren Stewart that played um he played uh Billy Who, the other magician. Yes, right. Yeah. He only had two credits. This was yeah, one. Yeah. And then it's like 
I, I, I was like, I, I know that guy. I guess I don't. Right. I thought yeah. he was really good. I thought he was actually really like, like he had charisma as well. And I love that he was like, he was like, yeah, I liked what you did when you took the piss out of other, the other illusionists. We're partners now, you know? Yeah. And then he disappears from the narrative, um, yeah. Yeah. which is again, well, he, it's sort of like. He served the point, right? Of breaking yeah. into the magic castle, which I know is a real place. Yeah. Which also, I thought that was great. That was blending. Did they cut the part where he was like, fuck this? Like, you know, because well, no, because after like after they break into the the sanctum, right? Where it's like right. like uh 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 back of those characters like, well, well, you know, like you don't need to be here. Like, like basically like they grab right. the documents and then after that he's like, Well, thank you, we gotta get out of here. And then we don't see him again, which is fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's he's not he's not so important to the story to where he needs to be at the resolution. But right. he was way into the magic castle because he was one of the magicians that was like, Yeah, this is all bullshit. I'll get you in. Like right. I liked that like he was like, you know, the guy that was like, Oh yeah, I also want to I also like that the inner sanctum had like a super big monitor and computer there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Like I, I thought I knew him from stuff. Clearly. No. Yeah. No. You know, he's just a yeah, he's just a memorable character, I guess. But yeah, I, I think we could have used more of him. In the film, I think um, I think and I think that's one of the things maybe that there is something missing to this film in the sense that like I think he needed more. I think Damore may have needed needed more of a foil for most of the film. Um, Maybe more pushback from actual magicians. Like what if we would have gotten like, I don't know, what if Penn Teller showed up? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Well, there's that again. That's the that's the Marvel Studios version. You know, uh, you know, there would be, uh, you know, cameos from. Penn and Teller and uh, you know uh, David Blaine. No, David Copperfield will be like, I made the fucking Statue of Liberty disappear. Like, right. Also, I'm dead. How am I here? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, we just use a hologram or something. But uh, yeah, like, uh, but I, I, I actually that just happens to remind me that I, I watched um nothing but trouble this week uh, for the first time in years. <laughs> And, classic. I, yeah. and um speaking of cameos you know with tupac right. shakur and i was yeah. like watching it and i riffed to myself was like the uh uh no to my coworker, we were watching it together and i was like yeah mm-hmm. yeah this is the um i was like so one of the greatest lyricists of our generation is acting really impressed at a rubber-faced dan Aykroyd playing the organ um right. this is probably the saddest thing i've seen all week but now that I think about it, maybe like, yeah, the remake of Nothing But Trouble will just have the uh, hologram of uh, Tupac Shakur acting right. surprised. Uh, you also have current age Dan Aykroyd. Like, all he would need is like the little dick nose on the the, the nose tip. And that's yeah. right. He would be perfect. Yeah. Yep. And Chevy needs the work. So uh, there you go, Hollywood. Um, like, yeah. Hey, Chevy, do you want to say something problematic and racist? We can bring you into this, this version of Nothing But Trouble. <laughs> But I'm kind of appealing in the sense that I got all the roles Bill Murray was too good to take. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, Chevy. But yeah, no, that's what I was noting watching Nothing But Trouble. It was like, uh, so I think I get why Bill Murray and Chevy Chase hated each other. I think it's Chevy Chase was getting all the roles Bill Murray didn't want. Right. Um, I, think, I, I think that they were both of the same ilk of like, like they, they were attention seekers. Yeah, they're both dicks. They're both, yeah. they're, they're both actually really honestly funny. But right. they couldn't handle the ego of the other. They're like, they're like Japanese uh, fighting fish. Like you can't right. put them, you can't put them in the same bowl, right? Like they're the same thing. You know? yeah. Just, yeah. Somehow Bill Murray is like still made himself socially relevant, 
though he's still kind of a jerk sometimes, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, he's been, yeah, he's a been, little bit more gropey than Chevy. I've never heard yeah. Chevy Chase grope anybody. No, you know, no. Like, all you hear, all you hear from people say that racist, nobody, right? yeah, nobody likes working There's, with Chevy like, Chase. That's right. right. You put your skill points in uh, racism or gropiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Bill Murray is now known to become somewhat problematic, but like Chevy Chase, like it's mostly the worst you hear is that he just was not much fun to work with because he's a bit right. of a dick. Yeah. Um, but now Bill Murray apparently is like outright, like occasionally hostile, apparently on uh on well, sets. Heard, like, but the big thing recently about like, like Glover, Donald Glover talking about community was that like they like other people would say that Chevy Chase was intimidated by Donald Glover being as funny as he was. Mm-hmm. So he purposely tried to like um upset him and like set him back. Yeah. Because he couldn't handle not being the favorite person in the room. Anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, there's actually there's a bit in the outtakes on some of the one of the community seasons of uh of uh Chevy being of uh Donald Glover breaking Chevy. Chevy actually laughs. Uh, that's oh, something no, Donald Glover sure. does, and and then they all celebrate, and they're like that. Then that Donald Glover was the guy who managed to get him to break. Like they had all, <laughs> right. they had all tried, but they all like, kind of celebrated. Like yeah, Don, you know, Donald got him. Uh, but it was like the only time they managed to get Chevy to break, and it was Donald Glover. Like that's just how funny Donald Glover was, but uh, or is rather. Um, but yeah, um, do we have anything else to add about Lord of Illusions? Lord of Illusions, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. We went in yeah. directions. No. So. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I, I think it's worth checking out. Like either any version you can. Like, I was I wasn't sure how the uh, theatrical version would hold up, uh, but it sounds like you guys had a good oh, time with it. I need I need to find a reasonable price copy of the theatrical. Right. Uh, yeah, I have no uh, idea or... why that Blu-ray is like 150 bucks. It's insane. I looked it up well, on it's Amazon. Just it's it's <clears throat> it's Scream Factory and it's out of print. Yeah. No. I yeah. feel like this is one of those things that like one of the boutique like you know companies would pick it up. Right. This feels like it's like right in line, right? Like, you know, like um, you know, because every so often, like I know you guys are gonna cover um like you're gonna cover Nightbreed soon, which yeah, is right. I swear to Christ I saw as a kid, but I don't remember anything about it. Like I know you're getting into that in a couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. it's like there's other things that they get into, like like um mm-hmm. I ended up picking like uh picking up like a boutique version of um Near Dark a couple mm-hmm. of years right. ago. I had never seen that film before. And Such a great it's film, yeah. It's a great it film. Wonderful. Yeah. But it's right. like, for whatever reason, I always got Near Dark and Nightbreed confused because the titles don't, like, they. you could flip them and no right. one would ever question the, the title. <laughs> no, no. Like, that's like, true. So, yeah. And it's like, I feel like Lord of Illusions is one of those things that, like, a boutique, like, you know, you could see, like, um, I don't know, like, Severn or, like, you know, Vinegar Syndrome picking this right. up. And well, hopefully it. they will, yeah. I hope Maybe so. Maybe yeah. Yeah, I know Scream. Yeah, Scream Factory did the big one, and uh, I I remember buying it, and then I think when I sold off like all my Blu-rays back in Portland, I think I just got rid of it, thinking, well, whatever, it's a sort of illusions, right? And now I'm like, what the hell? How dare you? Yeah, it's yep. 150 bucks. Like, you know, I went to go buy it to see if I could find it to find yeah. the director's cut, just to be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this for the for the podcast, and it was like, why? What? I can't right. I can't drop that. <laughs> Not on Lord of Illusions. I think that I think this would actually like the 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 market for the people appreciate would grow if one of these more you know like because if this was like on a table at like a convention people would be like oh shit yeah I, I remember this right like I think yeah, right I think I think it would grow and no, I think and I, I agree with you I think that's actually a thought I had which was um about Lord of Illusions and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up but uh, Lord of Illusions it's really it's interesting that like um 
I feel like if you ask people directly, like horror fans, what they think of Lord of Illusions, they end up coming up with a favorable response. But if right. you were to ask people, like, what are some underseen, like, Clive Barker work? I don't think they would think of it on their own. It's a really weird thing uh, yeah. about Lord of Illusions that for whatever reason, like, if anybody is asked directly, they usually tell you good things. But nobody will ever think of it on mm -hmm. their own. It's very, it's... It's uh, it's a very interesting cult movie in that respect, I think, um, versus, say, like Nightbreed, uh, you know, which is uh, has a huge cult following. But everybody always right. kind of mentions Nightbreed is one of those movies that, like, you know, more people should see. Lord of Illusions isn't on that list. But I think if you ask directly, you mm -hmm. know, do you think more people should see Lord of Illusions? They'll be like, yes, Lord of Illusions is great. Like, it's it's really interesting how like just how it's it's seen i think right it might, in, be, it might be the most approachable mainstream of the three uh yeah. films which i mean again i need to revisit nightbreed I, I it's the thing mm -hmm. i need to get back to but hellraiser is like it's an like it's it's unabashedly weird horror film like mm -hmm. I, love, I love it but it's like this feels like this is like this is the you buy your five dollar ticket to go to the movie theater and watch a film like this is the most straightforward i think you're going to get with one of the stories you know and yeah yeah I think yeah. that needs to be said. So, um, so before we wrap this up, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to you guys real quick. Okay. Yeah. Box office mojo for like I, I, this is always something I like doing on on Invasion for mm -hmm. 1995. Um, so Lord of Illusions came out 103 for like the top films of the year. I'm gonna right. ask you guys, higher or lower? Other okay. films came out higher or lower than Lord of Illusions, right? Right. Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, higher or lower? Higher. higher. That's correct. Ninety-seven. Yeah. So not oh, wow, not uh, not by much. Yeah, not by yeah. much. Uh, Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, lower, higher. Uh, oh. It was one hundred. <laughs> like so, uh, <laughs> it was a thirteen uh, million plus, like slightly higher than Lord of Illusions. Right. Uh, <laughs> this one's going to confound Nathaniel, I think. Mm. Highlander, The Final Dimension, <laughs> lower. <laughs> than Lord of I'm going to go higher. Higher. Lower, oh. lower, huh? <laughs> just two spaces lower at twelve million plus. Oh, uh, Tales from the Hood. That better be higher. Higher, yeah, yeah. Lower, lower, uh, lower. Yeah, eleven million. Uh, nobody, yeah, nobody went to see Tales from the Hood though. Come to think of right. it, it's now well loved, but it right. uh, it wasn't at the time it came out. Uh, Dracula dead and loving it. Higher, yeah, lower, higher. lower. Really? really? <laughs> yeah. Less than 11 million. Uh, I guess, wow. yeah, by 95. Yeah. Nielsen, yeah. Le Leslie Nielsen may not have been the draw anymore by 95. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, it's not a good movie. <laughs> right. well, well, I don't think I have a movie, but it's Mel Brooks, I, mean, I thought would have made it. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness, the Carpenter film we talked about recently. Oh, uh, lower. It is lower. Yeah. Like 8 million and change. Yeah. Village of the Damned. I'll say higher. That had yeah. Christy uh, and Christopher Reeve in it. Yeah, I guess higher. Supposedly the trivia, Christopher Reeve was approached for Lord of Illusions to play. Yeah, I saw that, but nobody yeah. mentioned it in the That would have been interesting. DVD. I'm yeah. not like I think I as much as you talk about like that the film being miscast, I like Bacula this, but like that would have been interesting. Right. Um, he was he was being considered for Demore? Yes. Yeah. No. That's interesting. Yeah. That's lower, a whole other thing. Yeah. Lower than um, lower. Yeah. Uh what else we got here? Um let's see here. The prophecy with uh Christopher Walken. Higher. Oh, I'm gonna say lower because I think that that really found its following on VHS. It was higher. It was no yeah. oh, okay. That film uh, did relatively okay, I think, on the yeah. uh, uh, at the box office. Yeah. 
Um, the Polly Shore film, Jury Duty. <laughs> higher. <laughs> higher. <laughs> I'm going to say higher just because T. Career was part of it. Right. I remember seeing that in the theater. <laughs> I think I did see Jury Duty in theater. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I liked it. I'm sure it's not great. Uh, the only thing I remember about it is um is the the where Stanley Tucci covered in like dust and them yelling asbestos and he starts shrieking like a woman. Um, it was, <laughs> that's literally the only thing I remember about that movie. Um, all right, uh, Far from Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. I don't know what that means. What? Higher, There's, Far from. There was a lot of the Far from Home. I think that was the one where it was like the original film was the guy that used like the little tiny prop plane to um. Like get the geese flying. Okay. Right? Like, right. Oh right, right. Uh, I'll say higher. Oh um, yeah. No. yeah, it was lower. All right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. All right. So, all right. Last one here. Let me find one more here the, to make this worth it. Um, strange days. Lower. I'll say lower. Yeah, it was lower. It was one twenty-seven. Yeah. Versus, um, yeah, so I don't know. There's a lot of weird shit that's going on, <laughs> right? Well, the um, '90s were the '90s were uh, were kind of awesome. I was telling this to a, to one of my coworkers who was like, uh, uh, three eleven or something got brought up the band because uh, it was yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday was March 11th, uh, the day before right. we recorded this. So I was like, oh yeah, three eleven, and uh, she was like, oh yeah, I think I remember that. And I was like, the '90s were were awesome and terrible. Like, you know, it was right. like, it's, it's so weird because like number 75 for the year is the usual suspects, which has become like, you know, mm-hmm. like a film that we all remember. Right. Yeah. Number right. 79 was demon night, which I adore. Right. Fuck yeah. 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 Um, 81 was sorry. 80 was showgirls. 81 <laughs> was sudden death, <laughs> uh, which I love sudden death. If you ever yeah, want right. to talk, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme punching a penguin's mascot and then fighting a penguin. <laughs> like in the background, right. yeah. Like above sudden death, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn was eighty two, right? Yeah. Johnny mm-hmm. Demonic was eighty four, uh, uh, for the year. The Quick right. of the Dead was eighty five. Yeah, yeah. Wow. a lot of interesting films to get into. Right. Yeah, the ninety, yeah, nineteen ninety five. Really, yeah. Oh, that that was a hell of a year, apparently. So yeah. I thought yeah. you'd appreciate. I think appreciate what was going around. This yeah. Time. No, yeah, I never really stopped to think about it, but like uh, I know we talked about this with um De- when we talked about Demon Knight, we talked with our friend Jessica Scott. She was like, you know, the '90s were better for horror than people think it is, and I'm like, no, it totally right. was. But damn, if I couldn't think of what they were, but it's only because I did, I'm bad at keeping up with dates. But yeah, I mean, you listed off a few, yeah, pretty I mean, solid I films I that always, came out in the '90s. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hack and a fraud. I always default to um the box office mojo to just kind of see what the temperature yeah. was at the time. Right. Yeah. Like I, I adore Demonite, so I'm glad that you guys covered that. I think that film's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, it's like I'd almost feel like that, and this would be a good double feature. Like I honestly think. Yeah. Because they're both. I think kind I can of see like, that. Yeah. yeah. Like, like you know, one's more tongue in cheek, but like they're kind of also like one foot in reality, and like you know. Right. also ridiculous like i don't know well like, that was think- the 90s you know the 90s the 90s with horror was was so weird like and they really were they even look different i mean if you watch them versus like movies that were made in the 80s or movies that were made in the 2000s or something like you, you watch a movie that was made in 95 and you're like that's 1995 right. and it's really weird how that happens but lord of illusions is definitely one of those movies where you're like this is very 90s even though right. there's nothing to necessarily date it in the 90s no. but you just can tell like there's just a yeah. sheen to the film that it's very 
very 90s and it's very excessive the 90s were big on excess um i talked about that when like i want to uh sam and i are of disagreements on uh hellraiser 3 where i'm Mm -hmm. like i really like hellraiser 3 because i think it is like one of the ultimate 90s excess movies where like nothing of the it's it's just everything is thrown in and i think lord of the is one of those types of movies you know in 1995 Mm -hmm. they just we'll just throw absolutely everything into this film Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea is going to get dismissed. Nothing. We're right. just have everything in this thing, and we'll have rotting. We'll have rotting dudes and 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 right. uh, monkeys and, and yeah, and like people sucked into like like slightly rained upon basement floors. Right. Even I love yeah. how that, oh you're raining inside. Like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. No, I, I actually that's interesting that you mentioned that too because that that scene I remember as a as a young person uh, that was the one that was the one that kind of got me as a oh kid. it's upsetting because yeah. it's like because there's a bit like there's the one arm that's like near the like the stairwell yeah. like, right. like, mm, 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 like yeah you can hear it yeah like, like I immediately regret this decision you know like yeah. well I like they have the one cultist who yells fuck you at him right uh, yes. as he's going yes. down but yeah the um, yeah, like, like I like that he realized his error of his ways like what 16 years after the fact whatever it was like, right. yeah 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 that uh yeah the first thing he does when he gets back is just kill them all and they're all like um yeah maybe we missed maybe we shouldn't have followed this guy it's like you you guys know this where this is going to end right like i just i just feel like yeah. it's like you know yeah. Like, well, then, then, then they don't because that's what I mean. Is in real life, like cults, like the Snyder cult, you know, like that the, they would totally do the same thing. They would just, you know, yeah. I just, just I feel like it's like I, I think that's the end game too. I think Zack Snyder's going to suck him into a pit in a basement somewhere. Just like and, everyone's like, yeah. we followed Arby's for years. Why would Arby's betray us at the end? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, the guys. Yeah, the guys go. Except in it'll be like the guy going down, being like, release the f bat fleck movie like you know as you're being sucked into the ground but you know like <laughs> Ezra Miller did nothing wrong you know <laughs> <laughs> how dare you <laughs> screw you James Gunn you did this to me James all Gunn up. all the way up Martian yeah. Mom Hunter did nothing wrong <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Martian Hunt Hunter is Superman's mom uh, I will always make that. Never forget. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that was one of my favorite things I've ever done on a podcast was going on the uh, Paul and Steve show and uh, and saying I-, I choose to believe that the that uh, Diane Lane was always playing Martian Manhunter. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> when you go back and watch like Man of Steel, that's Martian Manhunter like kissing Kevin Costner. Um, and it's like it's my favorite thing right. ever, and I'll never forget it. But yeah, I was just like, no, Martian Manhunter has always been Superman's mom. There is no Martha Kent. There is just so, Martian Manhunter. So is Kevin Costner the first Aquaman that you've known? Is that what I'm asking from Waterworld? Oh just yeah. Aquaman. Yeah. So maybe Martian Mom Hunter was kissing Aquaman. Um, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, that well, that'll oh, probably at, yeah, at the end of well, probably at the end of Flash. That's probably what's going to happen anyway. No, so you know, he comes back from Flashpoint, and then there's yeah, going to be like, we're like forty minutes to an hour longer than your episodes. I apologize. That's oh no, it's all right. <laughs> we're not that much. We're not. We're, we're yeah. not that much longer than uh, than the last few have been. So except for Ryan Rex, <laughs> except for Ryan Rex, where we we plowed we right just, through and did like yeah. you know an hour well, like an hour and ten minutes, and then we no, were done. Yeah. That, like the longer that like you're like oh we've been podcasting it's like oh, you slowly but surely everything goes up in time oh yeah right 
Yeah. No, it's actually, I was explaining that to, uh, to tree, my, my coworker, where I was talking to her about, she's like, how long are your episodes? And I was like, well, no, we, we started, we had like a pretty strict one hour rule. And right. then we just started not realizing no it. one cared. So we were like, you know, um, right. you know, which is what we've, what we've learned in two and a half years is that, you know, uh, nobody cares. So we yeah. have our we have our listeners one way or the other. So I mean, yeah, like, I think I've learned I've le- I think I've learned like seven plus years of evasion where it's like you go from like ninety minutes to mm-hmm. four to seven hours. No one cares is what yeah. I'm saying. Right. Yeah. No. Yep. If people are going to listen to it, they won't. It doesn't matter. But yeah, we, we. But it's funny how that did happen. Where it was, we originally had all these rules, and then we right. were like. Well, yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody cares but us, so right. we could probably break most of these. Well, the, good, the good thing about a podcast is that if anybody's listening, they can always just stop it, right? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. They can turn it. I'm sure a lot of people do, but yeah. But yeah. no, Steve, Steve, Steve actually one. had some. Yeah. Especially this one. <laughs> this but Steven said that. Steven said that to us a couple of times. Uh, he gave us some advice about that where we were talking about, like, do we have too many guests or something like that? And Steve was like, you know, well, it's your guys' podcast. They show up to listen to you. And I went, yeah, oh, right. that's a that's a good point, Steve. We never thought of that because it never it never would occur to us that everybody would want to actually hear us. Right? <laughs> like, it's, it's weird that people that would listen to your podcast would listen to you. Like, oh yeah. my gosh! Like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't make sense no, to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, but nope. yeah, and then we, but oh. I've met some great people doing it, and you know, that's great. Oh, but yeah. but yeah, no, it's funny that. Uh, but you're right. It's the idea is that we have all these rules with preconceived notions, and then like here we well, are, I two think, and a half I years think, later, and we don't. I think it's, it's like, fair you know, to have targets. I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. We try not to push. We try not to push too heavily. But yeah, yeah no, but mean, like, like, like my, the problem I have with invasion is that we have like multiple segments. Yeah. So like it's one of those things where it's like, do we stop segments or we just stop the show? And I'm like, right. Oh, again, I get to talk to my buddy Steve like once a week because we were now like we're like was an hour and a half away from each other, so we don't get to see each other like much anymore. So it's like, right. Like, do we get to hang out and talk about things for a second? And is it entertaining? I hope so. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's like we have multiple segments. We have like our weekend talk, like you guys have. Right. We have our news. We have our main segment. Then we have a game. It's like, yeah, I hope you guys, people could deal with us because we're idiots. You know, like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then uh, in that case, then uh, Paul, thanks for coming by again. Yeah, thanks. And so uh, you know, you joke you joke about like shoring yourself in, but seriously, we always love having you. Yeah. You've, you're always a great conversationalist, and we really, really, actually enjoy talking much, to you. So. Much like putting, you know, little film to wire sprinkles in, in into your soup. You know, it's it's always a value added. You know, <laughs> no, it's just no, like, no, like like it's just you, Sam and I. We, we see each other often, like in the real world and stuff. It's like we know we we're idiots, and it's like I'm always like, yeah, but can I bring it to like a podcast form? You know, like what? No, check out Invasion of the Podcast. We uh, yeah. we recently talked about, oh, what was the last thing we covered? Oh, uh, Pacific Rim. We talked about that, you know, that cinema classic from 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I love Those are the words I, I would use, yeah. I love that movie so much. I, a great deal. Uh, we were supposed to talk about Scream this week, but then my internet bottomed out for like a day, which, you know, like everyone's like, oh, like my whole thing is like, well, at least we had electricity and water, which was nice. Right. But I'm like, what do I do? Like, yeah. You know, like but you work are, from home too so like yeah, i know that was a whole that up too yeah yeah that's well yeah that's a that's something else entirely yeah right. that's that's why yeah, uh, I, had, I had a very um uh, honest conversation with my employer the day after <laughs> like right. but but the good news is is like they gave me like they gave me two options and one was like um a take time off or b just do the work i'm like i'll do the work and they're like yeah. right. whatever it doesn't matter i'm like hooray yeah. <laughs> like, right 
<laughs> so, no, but um, no, like um, I hope you, like just check out our conversation about uh Pacific Rim. I oh. I adore that film. Uh, we're 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 supposed to talk about Scream as um the original Scream uh mm-hmm. coming up. Um, you know, we might get into more other Scream films. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the invasion of the podcast. Other other show that I do is uh, Strange Highways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam asked me last night about like how's that going. Um, it's been some tough sledding um, covering the '80s iteration. Yeah, of the zone. Um, it's so weird that no one talks about that iteration of the show. I wonder why. There's good right. there. There's some good bits there. Yeah. Uh, our most recent episode that we did, it was um, um, it was a Stephen King adaptation of uh, one of his short stories called grandma yeah. so this was like in 86 when this episode came out so this was on his like upward like rise uh in terms of like his adaptations yeah so it was, um it was twilight it was the only twilight zone episode that was ever uh covered at, adapted by stephen king sorry adapted by twilight zone the stephen king story right so then it gets weirder because um, it was the screenplay was written by, um, oh my goodness, I always mess this up. Uh, Samuel, will help me. Um, the person that adapted it, it was uh, uh, Mick Garris. I don't know why. Oh. I, yeah, I always fail with that's him. Right, yeah, yeah. Him. I always say Robert Highland. That's not that. That's not the same thing. Um, so it was a really really fun episode to talk about. Uh, we had our friend Richard on, which I know Samuel knows Richard. Uh, it was a good time. We took a we took a twelve to twenty minute segment and made it into our two hour episode. Um, a lot of fun, right? Yeah. So anyway, very nice. Yeah, I hope you guys like check out the show. I'm dragging this. <laughs> yeah, out. check it out. No, oh, yeah, yeah. And if you want, uh, if you want some uh, some backup on uh, the screen films, I uh, and uh, I'm able to make it. I'd love to come on and talk about them. I don't. I'm not in love with them. Uh, so if you right. want that, well, uh, clearly you're not in love with things that we like tacos or Lord, Lord of illusions. I get it. Or right. scream or yeah, no, I'm uh, yeah. I'm just a stick in the mud dick well, dickhead, but, so, but so no, what? uh, but no, I mean, Sam and I had kind of actually kind of made our own, like kind of rule. We were probably never really going to bother with the scream films because we aren't that into them. Right before we started recording, I, I watched Scream three. So I was watching, like I watched the first one and I watched the other two today. After I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I will say Scream 3 is not great, but there's a lot of humor there that works really well still. So was I was I entertained? Absolutely. Does it make the most sense as a story? Absolutely not. Right. No. Right. No. Uh, so That's I, I've been thinking about Scream 3 like uh all weekend actually, because um it once again recursed me I'm like we we're up to six, Scream right. six now. And I'm like and I'm like, that's hilarious to me because three was the movie that the entire metatextual point was, we're not going to do six of these. Yes, like right. they were like, we are not going to do more of this. Like the entire point is the cast and char- the cast of characters being we're already tired. Yes. And like, we've already run this into the ground. And um, uh, I, my, I was thinking about it. Actually, my, one of my actually probably my favorite line in any of the screen films is actually in three, which is when the killer reveals himself and has this whole motive rant and she yells god damn it i have heard this shit before yes um it is my it's my favorite line in any of the series um and i'm like is anyone going to shout that in scream six i doubt it but they should but i agree um, so yeah i'm kind of like yeah it's uh it's interesting that i'm like 
they've done exactly what the Scream series set out to not do, which is franchise. <laughs> um, you know, so, they were they were making it very clear we're not franchising, and now they franchised. But so, right. I'm not trying to step on the surprise. I'm gonna like I'm sure this will come out before we record the episode. Mm. I'm, I'm really, really, really trying to get the six uh before we record because i because steve has already seen six my co right. podcast mm. so i'm trying to barrel through because i've seen the first four i had not seen five well um, i will get to it um well, if you want to come on you're more than welcome have you seen six i not? haven't but if you're if i if i'm gonna try, if i'm gonna make that effort and be on the show uh uh i will for you guys i will go see it Okay, well then there we go. So let, yeah. here, we have a blood oath. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my hand right now. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do, <laughs> cue the uh, cue the music from it chapter one, right. and uh, you yep. know and Sam's gonna yep. write lover on his arm and right. <laughs> but yeah, I do that um, anyways. Anyway. Yeah, keep you posted. We'll uh, we'll we'll yeah. we'll meet up on we'll meet up online see if we can figure out a time. So I think it'd be a lot be of fun to kind of. Yeah. My whole goal is to surprise Steve because I think it'd be a lot more fun to catch him off guard because right. yeah. I love. I love Steve, my co-host invasion to death. We love and him too. Also, I also love catching him off guard because it's way more funny to me. Like, yeah, um, right? Because when we did our uh, Pacific Rim talk, I I did a real or fake, um, Jaeger uh, name list, and I my whole goal was to make him laugh. So people go check that out. You'll <laughs> find out some of the fake. So sorry, the fake. I'll put that in air quotes. Uh, Jaeger names like Four Loco. Um, <laughs> that would be that would be the one I'd pilot. Yeah, right. For Luca, but <laughs> yeah. Right, well, thanks, Paul. Yeah, I've got everybody. Go check out uh, uh, yeah. Invasion of the Podcast and uh, Strange Highways. Paul's always a delight, um, and so are his co-hosts. Steve and Terry are both great guys, and we love talking to them too. So, um, Sam, you want to take us out? Yeah, yeah. With that, uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks again, Paul, for coming on. It's always, it's always a pleasure. And uh, like, like Nathaniel said, check out their podcasts worth your time even though even though they they take up a lot of time <laughs> yeah you, you can if you if you need to clean your house right it's gonna it's, take like four hours there for or, clean, or clean your city block or like <laughs> right. or, yeah run a marathon wait, wait for uh, your leader to come back from the dead yeah. you know, do whatever yeah, you gotta you do wait, like if you're waiting for nicks to come back yeah. i have a podcast for you it's fine yeah. but you know uh just watch out for each other out there guys uh, it's it's a weird weird world we live in um, but I just wanted to say, you know, uh, be kind, rewind, mostly be kind. Thanks. Have a good night.